Welcome to the podcast for Wenton Baptist Church. I pray God uses this message to bless you in Jesus' name. We're in our, our, our text this morning. We're going to be looking at the lives of two men, uh, two bold men, and, and what they did and their actions. And Peter and John, uh, but more specifically, how their actions inspired boldness in the early church uh, they were at. You know, being, being bold is contagious. You know, have you ever been with someone uh, who's bold? If you've been with them, after you've been with them, you're a little different. Uh, you, you know, they kind of rub, rub off on you. And I always uh, think about this uh, as far as boldness, and who better to think about boldness than, than a coach of a football team? It's a little football. That's all I got. All right. Uh, little football here. Uh, a coach of a football team, what do they do in the huddle? They get their team together right and ready to play the game. And so you're in that huddle. First you go to the locker room, then you get in the huddle on the field. And uh, before you get on the field, the coach is talking to you. He's, he's really ramping it up. He's charging the team up. And you're figuring out what it is uh, you want the coach, you want to do what you need to do to win the game. And so you're looking at the point man. Sometimes it's the quarterback. You're looking at the point man to give you that boldness, to move you forward and say, we're going to win this game. And that's what I like to think about. Uh, when you have that energy, you just kind of feel that energy and you go out and you play your best. That's how we should be when we have been with Jesus. That's how people should see us uh, and the effect that we should have on people when we've uh, been with Jesus. They should be charged up because that person is charged up for Christ. One area of a church's life that is kind of a, a spiritual barometer, if you will, is its corporate prayer life. When you see prayer uh, being led by people with passion, it becomes contagious. Just look at what the testimony here. One person was praying and the other person began praying, and it was just, it was, it was wonderful at the end of, of what happened there. God moved in a powerful way. And you know, when you see prayer that, that's just anointed by the power of God, the Holy Spirit moves, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Faith gets, gets renewed. You might ask yourself, is our church that church? What would it look like if Winton Baptist Church started praying like the church in Acts 4 this morning? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, the church in Acts 4 prayed because they had been with Jesus. I believe that there are three ways that we as a church, uh, that, that we can pray like we've been with Jesus. We can pray together with a bold voice. We can pray knowing God has a, has a plan. And finally, if we do that, we will start to see God move. The idea is this. We want to start praying together with boldness. Verse 24 there of Acts chapter 4 says this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea and everything in them. I want you to note that the church was praying together with boldness. Peter and John were together in their boldness. And that boldness, watch this, was getting noticed. People were taking notice. They had been with Jesus and they were taking, people were taking notice. So to set this scene, Peter and John had healed a paralyzed man in the name of Jesus in Acts chapter 3. And religious leaders uh, you know, got wind of it. They had them arrested. Peter and John pointed out that, that Jesus was the reason that this man was healed. And you know what, religious leaders? Jesus is going to be the only way you're going to be healed too. And so, spiritually speaking, 
But verse 4, chapter 12 states this, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. You see, the gospel is the only message that leads to salvation. It is the truth that Jesus Christ saves sinners. And, you know, I was at a funeral yesterday. We, we want to pray for the family there uh, and, and the loss of, of a loved one there. And uh, I was honored to bring encouragement and hope to a grieving family. And I, I'm so grateful that the young lady who passed away made a decision to follow Christ uh, as a little girl. I'm so grateful for that. And I, I pointed out to the audience there, I said, you know, I found her hope was in Jesus. And our hope will always be in Jesus. Many times at funerals, you have, a, a, you have to be sensitive uh, to those who are there. And you have a mix of folks who are there. And you have a mix of those who know Jesus and those who don't know Jesus. And, and you know, I want to be sensitive there. But I also realize that a lot of times at funerals, it's a divine opportunity uh, where most people, they're facing questions of life and death. You've literally, you're looking perhaps at, at, at someone who's passed away in front of you, uh, and so you're asking these questions about life and death. And it is fitting to share the gospel at funerals. Jesus is, only, is man's only hope. A man came up to Alice and I after the funeral and, and uh, later shared with us that he used to think that he followed Christ. He used to think that he did that, but God saved him on a hospital bed. And he, as he was facing death, and now you know what he does? He goes everywhere and tells people about Jesus. That's boldness. He goes everywhere and tell, tells people that God saved him on that hospital bed. That's radical transformation. That's the power of the gospel. The only way to be saved, we know this, is through Jesus Christ. We know this, but do we live this? Do we have the boldness that's contagious? Do people see us, and does it rub off the, on them uh, from the Jesus in our life. Peter and John knew this and told the religious leaders, the religious leaders, they, they should know hope, right? They, they should know God. These are religious leaders. They should know, but yet their faith had become a dry religion. Just a dry religion and, oh, we've got to go to church. Oh, you know, routine. Routine is not, is not faith in Jesus Christ. Let me say that. If you're in a routine or if you're in a rut, Let's get out of the rut. Let's get back to faith in Jesus. Let's get to know the real Jesus. Has God empowered you with a freshness of your faith, a freshness of, of your relationship with Jesus, or have you longed for that? Has it not been there in a while? God's calling you to ask him that. God, I haven't had that in a while. God, I haven't, haven't had a touch from you in a while. God, I'm dry. I'm weary. God, I need a touch from you. God wants us to do that. Peter and John boldly pro proclaimed together, hey, the only way that you're going to be saved is by the name and person of Jesus Christ. If you don't, you're going to live with the greatest regret because you were this close to Jesus. You were this close and you might as well have been a mile away. You might as well have missed Jesus by a mile because if you miss Jesus at all, you're going to miss him for eternity. But look at what happens in verse 13 of chapter 4. It says, when they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated men, they didn't have a Ph.D. in theology, they didn't have a master's degree at a seminary, etc., etc., didn't have the word doctor in front of their name. They were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and recognized, watch this, underline this, circle this in your Bible, 
Go back to it, read it after church, read it at the lunch table, the dinner table, and when you get up tomorrow morning, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. So I ask us, me included, have we been with Jesus? Do we have that, do we have that boldness when we when people recognize and they want to go? They want to go and they say, hey, he's been with Jesus. I, I gotta go. I, I, I know what 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 is what moves him, I'm moved too. Do people recognize? Are they motivated? Do they know that we have been with Jesus? Are people amazed at your testimony? Do they see the humility and the brokenness and where we say in our lives, I was wrong. God's changing me. That's power. That's humility. That's power right there. That's transformation right there. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for transformation. We need more transformed lives. Have we been with Jesus? They recognized that they had been with Jesus. You see, the religious leaders who had all the education in the world noticed the one thing that separated them from the others, the one thing that separated the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. The one thing that caused them to observe their boldness was that they had been with Jesus. I'll say it again. They had been with Jesus. Could others say that about us, about our Christian faith? Do others see that we have been with Jesus because of our boldness? I want you to watch what happens. When the boldness continues as the church prays together, the religious leaders had a great idea. You know, these religious leaders, they, 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 I guess they mean well, but they missed, missed the mark by a mile. And so they had this wonderful idea there in verse uh, 19. And they said, you know what, we're just going to get them to stop talking about Jesus. That's a great idea. Just, just muzzle them, but get them to stop talking about Jesus. Let's just close the church doors. That'll fix it, right? Watch the response. Peter and John answered them, verse 19. Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's passion. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. We'll say it again. They are unable. Are we unable? Do we, do we have a fire in our bones? Do we want to keep going and keep talking? Like this, this man at the funeral that Alice and I spoke to, he had a fire in his bones. He kept going. He kept going. And, and sometimes, you know how, uh, are you ready to go, honey? You know, oh, you know. No, he just kept going. He kept going because he had a fire in his bones. We are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. That's boldness. They weren't able to stop. Can we say that? You know, for many of us, it's simply a challenge to start speaking out loud about Jesus. When they were released and returned to the church, and we have here in verse 24, here's the response of the church. They go back to the church, you know, and this is how the church responds to them. Uh, verse 24, uh, it, it, the, response, the, the church says that they, when they heard this, they raised their voices together, together. Now, it could be very easy to miss the dynamic of what's going on here. They were praying together as a church, right? And they were, but they're also praying out loud as a church together because it says they raised their voices there in verse 24. I want to see more of us praying together as a church, together. But, you know, I want you to be praying about this in your spirit. Ask God, God, why don't I pray out loud to you in front of others? Am I, is it a shy thing? Am I, am I being bashful? Uh, why, have I, why haven't I come to, ch to church to some, with someone to pray, to pray yet? What's holding me back? Don't let pride get in the way of praying out loud. Don't let pride get in the way of coming to church 
So this is a big one that's hard to move past. But in order for us to be bold in our praying together, we don't, have to, we don't have to worry about us. Let's get us out of the way, right? Don't be concerned with what others think about you, not even your spouse. I want you to be comfortable praying in front of your friends, your spouse, your family. Be concerned with what they think about who the Jesus is in you. How about that? If they were to base the Jesus in you off of how you live your life in front of them, who is that Jesus? Who is that Jesus? Let them see the power of Christ in your prayers. Let them see humility. Let them see boldness, courage, faith. You see, we get it twisted sometimes when we think that prayer has to contain super spiritual words. It has to be long and has to have a lot of certain words in them. Just pray simply. But just, just you know, I want you to pray with passion. That's what the early church did. They prayed with passion. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. It so moved them that they raised their voices to pray out loud. Pray boldly and pray together. We pray together as a body of believers that allows others to hear your heart for a matter, and you can encourage them to pray, have greater faith in their own lives. We need to start praying boldly together. But we also need to start praying knowing God has a plan. There's trust. Verse 28 says this, to do whatever your hand and your will uh, had predestined to take place. Uh, I'll back up there, verse 27 there. It says, for in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. God anointed him to do what? To do whatever your hand and your will, uh, the CSB says, predestined to take place. Now, as the believers were praying, an interesting thing takes place. They pray out loud, but they also demonstrate a simple knowledge uh, of God being in control. Another word to use is sovereignty, God's sovereignty. Uh, it's a, an idea that can help our prayer life. Uh, the, the believers had full assurance that God's plan was going to work out. Only God is in control of God's plan. Amen? We can't control God's plan. God's in control of God's plan. Now, here's the beauty of this idea of God being in control or the beauty of predestination or sovereignty. Predestined means to decide beforehand, okay? That's some big thing. It means to decide beforehand and then to set boundaries. And it involves God knowing ahead of time what is going to take place. But, you know, God doesn't play favorites. Uh, he has a gracious, he's a gracious, he's a loving God. He's not wanting any to perish, but all to come to faith and a saving knowledge of the truth. When we choose to disobey God, yes, that goes against God's overall plan, okay? When we sin, sin is against God's overall plan, but it won't stop his plan. We see an understanding of this idea of God's overall grand plan in the book of Esther. You remember the story of Esther uh, and Mordecai? Mordecai challenged Esther. He said this, uh, either God will use you, or if you don't want to be used, he's going to use someone else to accomplish his plans. 14, verse 14 of the book of Esther says this, if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place, but you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows, perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. There's that familiar passage. For such a time as this, are you going to, church, to, to respond? God's placed you right here, right now. Are you going to respond? Let God bless the world through you. Or are you going to let God bless the world through someone else. I want to be used by God. I don't know about you, but I want to be used by God right here, right now, with the breath in my lungs. With how I'm 46 years old, I want to be used by God right now, not later. Right now, God use me. I pray that would be your prayer. 
When we approach God in prayer this way, wanting to be used by him, knowing that he is in control and his plan from the beginning is working out, it becomes easier and easier, in a sense, to approach God in prayer. We trust God, right? We approach him in prayer. It's like this, the first time I experienced a trust fall. Maybe some of you have seen this. Uh, I was at camp, and uh, take a bring this up on the screen. Uh, uh, a trust fall, you're familiar with a trust fall. You get on a platform, and you put your ha- hands across your chest, and you lean back, and they say, one, two, three, go, and you fall down. The counselor told me that is about four or five feet off the ground. Uh, the only way I was going to land in those arms, that's not me, by the way, uh, it's just a picture. And the only way I was going to land in those arms, I had to trust what the counselor said. The counselor said, he told the people beforehand, you got to lock your arms, you got to put your hands together, and you don't drop your arms. That's the plan. That's the plan. That's, that's how this guy is not going to fall flat on his face on the ground because he's going to close his eyes. The only way he's going to fall forward is at my command. But also, one thing has to happen internally inside of him. He has to trust what I tell him. He has to trust the plan. The plan is for all those folks to catch this guy that falls. In my case, the plan was for them to catch me. So all I did was I I laid back and fell back, eyes closed, trusted the plan, and they, they caught me. All I had to do was trust the plan and fall back. When we pray, knowing the God of the universe is in control, we can trust his plan through the prayers that we pray. And we know he has us. Go ahead. Pray with boldness. God says, I've got this. I'm in control. I've got a plan. No need to fear. You pray bold prayers of faith because God's got it. God's got a plan. When we pray with a starting point, knowing God's hand and his plan are at work, it gives us great confidence to approach the throne of grace. Yep, God's got a plan. So I'm going to go to you, God, because I know you got a plan. Would you let me be used in your plan? I'm going to trust your plan. We start praying together. We start praying with trust in God's plan. And therefore, watch this. After all these things, we pray together. Things are going to happen when you pray together. You see God moving the other person. It inspires you. And you pray with trust in God's plan. You pray pray bigger prayers. Don't play the small prayers. Pray big prayers. God, God, use me. God, use me in Moldova. Use Wenton Baptist Church in Moldova. That's a big prayer. And God is faithful. God has been using you for Moldova. It's a big prayer. Who would, have, who would have ever thought that? People from this church would go 5,000 miles away. Yes, there's a purpose to go 5,000 miles away, paint a fence, uh, check, check vitals on, on someone that needs it. To go to a village that's never had medical care before, there's a, God has a plan for that. People from those villages are now going to church. That, it's a bridge to the gospel. God has a plan. And what happens is you begin to see God move. Acts 4, 29 through 30 state this. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Did you see that? The boldness of Peter and John who had just stood up to men uh, who had the power to put them in jail, and even worse, the church was praying, God, you know their threats. You know what they can do. You know what they're capable of. So God, give us boldness. Give us boldness to speak your word, not only that sovereign Lord, because your plan is working out, because you are a God who is in control, because you're the same God that Peter and John called upon to heal a lame man, God, we're going to pray that you would do that again. 
God, would you stretch out your hand again for healing? Oh, that we have prayed that prayer this morning. The list that I, I write down. There's a lot of folks that have cancer on it. There's a lot of folks that are going into surgery. Can we pray that prayer? God, would you, would you uh, bring your, stretch out your hand for healing? That's a bold prayer, Wenton Baptist Church. We want to see you move mightily in our midst once again. I don't know about you, but I really want to see God move. I'm ready to see God move in a mighty way. Amen? My spirit's so weary. I don't know how, how you are. I want to see God move again. I do. We need to pray. We need to get our heart in line with the heart of God. That's how we're, uh, God's going to open our eyes to see him. God, we know you can. We've seen it in the past. We've seen what your work can do in the lives of others. God, do that work in us. Let us see you move. If you begin praying together, you hear the the impassioned cries of other people, that same prayer. You pray with boldness. You begin to understand God's plan, and then your eyes are open, and you truly begin to see God moving in your life and in the world around you. He's already moving. Can we see? God, can you give us the eyes to see you moving? Open our eyes that we may see you moving in our families, See you moving in our midst, your hand at work in this church, in our community. Where are you moving, God? I want to join you. Look what happens. They prayed this prayer. Look what happens in verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Not like like I just did. It was massive shaking. I did that just to get your attention. It was shaken. The whole place was shaken. And they began to speak the word of God boldly. God answered their prayer. God saw, God, they, saw, they saw God move. The place shook with the power of God. They began to speak with boldness. All because why? A, a, a faith that was filled with boldness. And, and it included prayer. It started with a bold prayer. There was a moment back in 1806. And it was called the Haystack Prayer Revival Movement. 1806. There were five young college kids. They were in a hayfield. They were doing work. And they, uh, they were having a discussion uh, about God and missions, of all things. The foreign mission field that we called it the foreign mission field back then. They were having a, a discussion about the foreign mission field and is it a viable thing? Should we go to the, the heathen, is what they called them back then, the heathen 5,000 miles away? And, and, and let them know about Jesus. Should we do that? Well, uh, they began to, in this moment, they began to pray, and, uh, well, it began a thunderstorm. And there's a photo here Jacob will bring up. They, all, they had, they all, the, all the shelter they had was, uh, this is a, a, a rendition of that, all the shelter they had was a, a stack of hay in the middle of the field. So they gathered around this stack of hay in the middle of the field to kind of brace them from the storm. And they began to pray, God, would you move in our midst? God, would you move us to reach those around the world? And it began one of the greatest missions movements ever. It started with a, a prayer at a, in front of a haystack. Their topic was international missions. They would wonder if they should go abroad. And this is an amazing thing that happened. These students, and in particular, a man by the name of Samuel Mills, he began the modern missions movement and eventually founded a group, watch this, that sent the first missionaries from North America overseas. 
All because of the Haystack Revival. Five college guys got together and prayed to see God move. Now there's a worldwide organization. And even more uh, organizations were spun off of this one five-person prayer in the midst of a storm. They prayed for boldness. They watched God move. When we pray together, when we begin to see God move in ways we've never seen before, it's going gonna, it's gonna to light a fire under us. We're going to see God move. And I don't know where you are right now. I know where I am. 2020 has brought us all to our knees in one way or another. My hope is that you're turning to God more ever in your life right now, because church, we should. We should turn to be. If you're not turning to God right now, my question is, when will you turn to God? When will you go to God? And if in the, sometimes in the midst of the crisis, there's more people turn to God than ever, and that's fine. It's, it's just a reality how the human spirit works. We should be going to God all the time. God uses crises in our lives to bring us to our knees. We need the Lord. Whether your prayer, whether your, whether your, uh, your prayer is a, a private issue or you don't mind uh, praying with anyone, can I encourage you just to move the needle a little bit? Be bold in your prayer. Come to church. Pray with someone. Uh, pray with them. Pray for healing. Pray with God that, put, God that, would, that God would put people in your path to share, to share the gospel with. Some of you might go out today to, to get lunch. You might go home to get lunch. Thank the person that, that cooked the meal for you or pray with the person that cooked the meal for you. Pray for your server that served the meal for you. Ask them, hey, can I pray for you? I challenge you to do that. That's boldness. Start praying bold prayers. God, would you put people in my path? Put people in our church. God, bring families to our church. That's a bold prayer. God, bring families to the Winton Baptist Church. Use me to do that. Pray for God to raise up a team to go to Moldova. God, use me. If that be you, then pray through it as well. Don't go on your own. Pray through it. God, are you calling me to do this? And watch him. Watch God move. Pray for more boldness and watch do a work. God, watch God do a work in your life. Not only a work in your life, but in the, in the, the faith of others around you, they're going to grow. If you get bold, other folks are going to grow too. If you get bold, other people are going to say, you know what? I, I've seen them. Something's different about them. They've, they've been with Jesus, and I want what they have. I want what they have. Do people want what you have? Do we have, you have Jesus or not? God's calling you to do that. God's calling you to pray prayers of boldness. Let's pray.